As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to a special edition of the Athletic MBA Show. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. With me today, we've got my guy, Eric Kareen of The Athletic. He covers the Raptors. He's also covering some Canadian basketball. And I, I wanted to talk about this bronze medal team. Eric, how's it going, man? I'm doing all right. How are you, Andrew? I'm good. So this is the most successful Canadian national basketball team ever. They have a superstar in Shea Gilgis-Alexander. They have a true villain in Dylan Brooks. Eric, as the spokesperson for all of Canada, how yeah. good did it feel to not only win the bronze medal, but to do it against the United States of America? Uh, it was pretty cool. Like, like I've got to admit that, I, I mean, that was a nice capper to the tournament. Uh, the win over Spain to get them to the Olympics after you know, two very painful qualifying periods that resulted in them not making the Olympics was mm-hmm. was obviously the the biggest win for them uh, yeah. in terms of what they set out to do, at, and probably like the mo- you know it's weird our jobs like we don't really get to be fans in the sure. same way, but yeah. like. I've covered Canada basketball for 12 years or, or more than that. I, I'm born in Canada. I, I remember watching the 2000 Olympics uh, when Steve Nash uh, led Canada to a few upset wins. Like this is as close as I'm really going to get to to pulling for a team and, and a story. And uh, to see them win against Spain in the fashion they did uh, was awesome. The win over America, I mean, that American team, as I'm sure you guys have talked about, yeah. uh, not the best American team, missing three guys, just kind of depressing by the yeah. <laughs> by the end of things. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's still a really talented group of players, so I'm yeah. not saying it's not a huge accomplishment for them, sure. uh, making it as far as they did and winning that game despite the wackiness of the game. But it's not the moment I will remember from this tournament is all yeah. I'm saying. Okay. That makes that makes a lot of sense, and I think in in that context, just the fact that that Canada's back in the Olympics in the sport of basketball is pretty. It's really cool, and the team could get actually could get better. I mean, you think about just the the 
the young guys that are on the team getting better, but also I, I did want to ask you this. I had this later in the show, but I just want to ask you now, how, how ironclad is this three-year commitment thing? Because I think that to me will determine how good this Canadian basketball team can be in the Olympics. It's, it's a funny thing because like Canada had failed and, and going back to the last qualification for what ended up being in the 2021 Olympics up until to that point, that was probably the most talented Canadian team or, or close with the 2015 team uh, that had existed. And they lost to the Czech Republic in the semifinal of the, of the last chance tournament that was held in Van, uh, Victoria, British Columbia, I should say. And the conclusion, which I don't think was incorrect, that they came to is we are not talented enough as a basketball country hmm. to not increase our level of chemistry and, you know, our, uh, the way guys know each other from those countries who can more or less expect everybody to play all the time. Yeah. Like the, Uni the United States is pulling from a group of 300 or so NBA players, right? Mm -hmm. Canada has 15 or 20 NBA basketball players. So I think there's this misconception that Canada is this giant power and can sort of like, I saw people like predicting that they were obviously going to get the second America spot for the Olympics. And to me, like, sure, they have the talent to do it and we're probably the favorite to do that. But yeah. if you thought that was an assumption or that was an assumption you were making and it wasn't even going to be close, like you're not paying attention to international basketball mm -hmm. and the way this tournament was set up. So what I, what Jordi Fernandez, after the, the head coach who replaced Nick Nurse, uh, the Sacramento assistant, uh, says after the tournament, the guys that were here are the guys who are going to have the first right of refusal, essentially, to be in the Olympics – I more or less believe them. They had a group of 14 players that they named before the 2022 window uh, that was part of their summer core. And of their 12 players on this roster, uh, this time around at the World Cup, nine of them were on that uh, were on that core group of 14. Now, I mean, we both know guys, both in the NBA and internationally, get in different contractual situations, get in different injury situations. Yep. So I don't think like it's going to necessarily be 12 of the guys off that 14-man roster or, or, or all 12 guys who are there at the World Cup are going to be at the uh, Olympics. But I sort of take them, uh, Canada basketball, at their word that – that's where it's largely they're largely going to pull from and that's a tricky thing because as successful of a trip uh, of a tournament as this was for Canada uh there are obviously some roster holes uh, some of which they ca can't fill like they they don't really have that defensive big man uh yeah. that, that 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 would be awesome but yeah. some of which they can they they mm -hmm. uh, and we'll get to those guys I'm sure yeah yeah, Brandon Clark is one that like yeah. could be a defensive big man. We also just don't know how good Brandon Clark's going to be after this yeah, you know, we, major he's, injury he's recovering yeah, yeah, from. Yeah, uh, he he would be a big one. Uh, Chris Boucher, not Boucher. your traditional big man, but has some rim protection skills. Yeah. Tall man. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He's not a he's not a center, but like 
some shot blocking for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So th- those are sort of your big man options out of the yeah. NBA. But like sure. the other guys, you know, like obviously every team can use an Andrew Wiggins type. Uh, That's the guy, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's like the guy. He, it's Andrew he's the Wiggins. Biggest and he's interested. And yeah. He couldn't make the commitment in 2022. I believe he was facing uh, a negotiation coming yeah. up and he played in the, for that 2021 team and, and was mm-hmm. largely great. And, you know, if he's there to start with you and Jamal Murray is healthy this time next year, like you're looking at a really, really interesting team. And there are guys I could, you know, Shaded Sharp would be interesting because of his shooting. Yeah. Maybe Benedict Maturin would be interested yeah. as a scorer. But like, what you really, really need is probably Wiggins just to give you another top-level NBA player slash perimeter defender and, you know, some combination and, and like, another big man because they really don't have that. And mm-hmm. that's and those are the two spots, I figure, like, the Canada basketball coaching staff and management is going to have to really ask themselves the question – you asked me, which is how ironclad is that three-year commitment? Yeah, because I mean, shouts to Phil Scrub, but if Phil Scrub is keeping Andrew Wiggins off your team, like how much do you care about winning? And now, like he wasn't on that fourteen-man group; he was a replacement level. Uh, okay. Like the, yeah, like the only two, like Canada had depth problems. They were mostly down to seven or eight guys mm-hmm. uh, in the games that really mattered. Uh, the guys off the bench are, are non-NBA guys that are part of the core group are uh, Zach Eady, uh, yeah. the Purdue center, and Melvin Edgem, the the former Iowa State player who's just been on like every NBA or Canadian team for yeah. a really long time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe uh, Kevin Pangos is the other one who who couldn't make it because of a okay. international conflict. But it's not like. All these, there's 14 guys, and seven or eight of them are 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 from are not playing in the NBA. Like this, just happened to be the best team they could put together at this time, given yeah. the infrastructure. And frankly, it's unlikely they'll be able to. And in any given year, if you're pulling from 14 guys, it's unlikely that 12 of those guys are going to be able to show up. That's just. Mm-hmm. You know, the U.S. could come up with its ideal 12, 14 right now and probably fewer than 12 will be available ultimately. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Let's talk about Shea. He was an absolute superstar in this tournament. 24 and a half points per game, six boards, six assists, 1.6 steals. One thing that I don't think is being talked about enough is his the amount of turnovers that he had. He had 11 total turnovers in the <laughs> tournament, which is insane. I mean, for for reference, you had Luca. I think he had 38 turnovers in this tournament who kind of like played a little bit of a similar role to Shea. Shea just didn't turn the ball over. He's under two a game. I think he's at 1.4 turnovers per game in the tournament, which was just insane for the amount of like passing and double teams and traps and just so many things to just stop him. I mean, Team USA threw everything at him. He still turned it over one time in that game. That, to me, obviously his scoring and his his pace and everything, but just his ability to carry the ball was just like, wow. Like, I just couldn't believe it. A uh, super-duper star uh, shows you that the All-NBA first team last year, more likely the start of something than the peak of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, you know, why 
people in Canada. He's not the only reason, but he's a big reason why it's like, okay, like US, you want to bring your best players? That's cool. We got a guy too. Uh, yeah. Like he's a legitimate, you know, could be the best player on 20, 21, 22 NBA teams right now in Canada, you know, since Steve Nash has just, and Steve Nash, when he starred for Team Canada, was not two-time MVP Steve Nash. He was, right. He was a different guy. Like, Canada's never had that guy at, at mm-hmm. you know, at the, close to the peak of his powers, who would be one of the best players in the world. And, and that's mm-hmm. what Shea was. Like, the way he, you know, I hate to reduce the game, uh, the tournament to moments, but like, in overtime against the U.S., he had that, you know, step-back three-pointer that dusted. I believe it was Mikel Bridges that hit the floor. Uh, the yep. go-ahead shot against Spain was just a simple ISO at the top of the key. Uh, lost his man, takes a step-back long, too. And those are superstar shots. <laughs> They're like, yep. you know, no matter how much you lose your guy, like, even uh, those are difficult shots, not shots you want many guys on you know planet earth taking and the fact that you know i don't think a single canada basketball fan not that they were sure they were going in but nobody had a problem with them and that's because he's a superstar he dominated in the mid-range he found a way to you know not every game but found a way to get you know the teams into foul trouble which is obviously huge in in fiba basketball with uh just the five fouls i mean you know dylan brooks had that go the other way in, in certain games. Um, he was unbelievable. And even though he put up those gaudy numbers, a lot of Canada's games started with him sort of feeling out the game, letting other guys take control. And so often it was him in the third quarter sort of uh, taking, you know, really taking a hold of the game. And I, I know you get to watch this a lot being based in Oklahoma City, you know, covering mm-hmm. the Thunder. The thing that I just haven't seen as much because I'm so focused on the Raptors is he is just almost genius level in transition. Uh, yeah. his, his combination of vision, but just his length and change of speeds and, and physicality for, you know, a, a kind of a, a slender guy or a comparatively slender guy. That was really a joy to watch, uh, you know, super special player, uh, as everybody listening to this probably knows, or, <laughs> or at least very well should know. Yeah. The efficiency w- is becoming like the thing because he's able to get the free throw line. He's almost automatic 8.9 free throws per game in this tournament at 88.7%, 63% from two. And these aren't just, I mean, these are tough shots. Majority of these are really tough shots where he's having to stop and start and slow down. And his signature thing is just that he looks like he's about to hit the gas, puts a guy on his butt, and then he can just go. Or he just sends a guy flying. Then he's like, now I have all the space. It's just a, um, It's he does it with just deception. You know, it's, this it's, was, it's so much fun to watch. And this was a team, and Oklahoma City is a team that isn't like, overflowing with guys space in the floor right like yeah he's, he's finding his way into crevices or or even where there aren't crevices he's getting the angle just to get a foul call without you know necessarily the advantage of a bunch of floor spacers working with them and, and you know that's why so many people uh, a part of why so many people were curious to see what would happen 
if Jamal Murray had played, like even in a yeah. even in a reduced like off ball role, like his gravity would have you know certainly changed the outlook and uh, of a Canadian offense. And uh, you know Canada is isn't a country that's like overflowing and shooting, but the just you know, and there were some guys who you know most notably Dylan Brooks who were like ah uh, you know. I sort of like yeah. this. I like this feeble line. Let, let's talk about it. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> um, but, um, but what he was able to do, given the limitations of the roster, and that's no shade on the Canadian team, but like, yeah, there, there were lots of better. It just, just a great performance, and uh, I don't think it's too much of a homer take. And, and you know, I don't want to offend a new Raptor, but like, he was the most valuable player in that tournament, and and yeah, I don't think it's really a debate. Uh, yeah, uh, I think he probably, you know, if it were more of a, that, you know, a season long award as opposed to, uh, you know, tournament type mm-hmm. thing where it's always going to go to the best player. Uh, I think he was the guy who probably made more of a difference in this tournament than anybody else. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. Uh, RJ Barrett is just kind of an interesting character in all of this <laughs> because he obviously a good player. 16.8 points per game, five boards, two assists. There's just always, to me, he just as always feels like he's leaving something on the table at times. Um, I don't know. He's he's And he's still young, too, which I want to emphasize that. I think we forget how young he is. But he is somebody that obviously was helpful to this team and was consistently the guy that was taking either the most or second most shots on the team. But where did where did RJ Barrett leave you after this tournament? Yeah, he had a pretty good tournament, I would say. He had a very good lead up to the tournament also uh in which yeah. they split a pair of games with Germany, which, you know, looks more impressive now than maybe it did then. Um and they also beat Spain in a game uh heading into the tournament. Um I think almost like his greatest strength is clearly in transition or, or just being physical uh, and getting to the left hand. But, you know, he's maybe a bit over-reliant on that and, and mm-hmm. teams sag or, or play him to that side and load up on it. And he doesn't quite have, I, I don't mean to make this sound overly negative because again, good tournament, but like, yeah, he's a bit, you know, predictable. And mm-hmm. again, young player needs to maybe, you know, diversify things a little bit. You'd like him for for as physically gifted as he is, you'd like him to be a bit like he's not a bad defender, but he's not like an actively like, oh no, that guy's going up against him. Like he's a fine defender. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think if he can become a bit more of a consistent defender and he can become, you know, he, he can get, you know, one or two more moves sort of to, uh, to, uh, to complement how strong he is going with his left hand and how he can just frankly bully guys when, when he gets a full head of steam, that'll go a long way. But like he had a really good tournament. He played pretty well for Canada back in 2021 too. He's, you know, he's Rowan Barrett, the team general manager's son. He's going to be on this team for a while and he should, and let's not quite have twisted. He should be. He's one of the best Canadian basketball players there is. Um, and I just sort of think that's where his development is right now. And, uh, and, you know, the Knicks have a very good player on their hands. It's just a matter of how to get a little bit more out of there and, you know, going from 
good to very good is just a really hard thing to do. Um, so we'll see. And I think the Knicks have a, you know, a really interesting team, obviously, around him to empower him to, you know, not be the highest usage guy on a team, but maybe he's bigger in some second unit groups or, or he's can be your secondary creator when the ball gets shifted. And um, I think those reps will go a long way as he, uh, as he continues to grow into the player he can become. Yeah. He just turned 23 in June, which is still very young. There's still room to grow. He has six nicknames on basketball reference. <laughs> How many of those six can you name? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing this. You, you've got me on nicknames before. Um, I, I, I think during the trivia episode, uh, yeah. I, I, I don't think I, is there like a Canadian one? Like he's not Maple Jordan. That's Andrew Wiggins. He's um, Maple Mamba. Of course. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Famously. That's, we're always talking yeah. about Maple Mamba up here. <laughs> um, Ducky. Don't know. Can't. Okay. Yeah. Uh, headband row. No. Star J? I feel like I've heard that one. Sure. Sure. Broadway Barrett? I think maybe two people have called him that. <laughs> the Duke of York. Uh, that's actually interesting because he went to Duke and Toronto's yeah. original name is York, was York. Um, so, like, points for creativity. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a mouthful if you're going to try to slide it into... Uh, <laughs> Mike Breed's uh, mouth during MSG telecasts. I, I don't think he's going to be yelling the Duke of York anytime soon. Uh, although, if you're listening, Mike Breed, challenge the gauntlet yeah. has been thrown down. I also challenge you that when the Raptors played the Knicks, that you squeeze at least one of these into your piece. And yeah. You can choose any one. I prefer Ducky, if you could just <laughs> throw that out there. Uh, okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Dylan Brooks. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out. Birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids, and honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys, and Peloton is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. 
There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. And we're back after that quick break. All right, Eric, it's time to talk about the villain, the one who, there's just so much emotion, whether it's like glee or just anger or boo it. I mean, it was just, Dylan Brooks is always something, and I thoroughly enjoyed every single second of it. I thought he was, he made this this team and this tournament really fun, and the fact that he was awesome in the face of just unrelenting criticism all summer. You know, the Rockets feel like fools for signing him to such such a contract. And then he goes out, he's 58% from three, hits some of the biggest shots in this, in this uh, bronze medal game and helps deliver something that's never been done in the history of Canadian basketball. It's Dylan Brooks. Uh, tell me about just your, your experience watching Dylan in this tournament. You know who else thoroughly enjoyed Dylan Brooks play? Uh, it was Dylan Brooks. <laughs> Dylan Brooks. Uh, he, he had a great time. It looked yeah. like uh, I wasn't I wasn't in Indonesia or, or Manila, but uh, like I think Shea was almost expected. They needed a second guy. Yeah. Uh, in in that Spain game, uh, in that game against the States, and he was the second guy. Like he, you know what. Not to the same extent. A lot of it came from the perimeter. But what R.J. Barrett was with, you know, his left hand, Dylan Brooks was sort of going downhill with his right hand a little bit. When they started reacting to the shots he was making. Um, Obviously, like, he got in foul trouble a few times early in the tournament. Uh, That's always going to be his biggest calling card is is the physicality of his defense. And, And, you know, before the tournament, there was the question of, like, would the FIBA style actually help him? Because they maybe let a bit more off-ball physicality go, uh, or would his reputation still follow him there? And I don't think there's any conclusive answer to that. As I said, he was in a lot of foul trouble, but yeah. I mean, he certainly did a job in in a bunch of those games and and the shooting like he hits the game tying shot against Spain uh he hit <laughs> in overtime he just had like 
I think he went at Austin Reeves, so it was just sort of a matchup thing, but he just attacked him and went like right over him for a 12 footer, like ISO Dylan yeah. Brooks, which is like yeah. Dylan, Dylan Brooks, like dream moment, probably. <laughs> it's like I, I think, so, so much no, 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 yes energy around that particular and I think, shot. Like, that's where some of the criticism of Brooks comes from is not only like the struggling shooting and not only the, the stuff where he's like, you know, talking about LeBron or whatever, but he's consistently mm-hmm. wanted to try to do a bit more, uh, a bit yeah. more. And whatever, you know, the basketball internet or intelligentsia, whatever you want to say, just think somebody, you know, this sort of happened to Jeremy Grant too when he went to the Pistons from from Denver. Obviously much mm-hmm. diff- different player, different personality, but whatever, it's like, oh, that guy, you know, wants to do more and, and he's not prioritizing winning or whatever. You know, he's getting a bit over his skis. Like, it's easy to poke fun at that at that guy. And yeah. Dylan Brooks has done a lot to contribute to that cause. And I think ultimately, as I did with Jeremy Grant, like his best role is going to be as like a defender. And if he can make open threes, that's awesome. But like. He proved this tournament. He can make some open jump shots, whether they're threes or long twos. I, I don't know what, you know, his, his career numbers aren't overly flattering to him. Uh, but he's one of the best defenders in the world. Like, that's yeah. really never been in doubt. That's mostly what he wanted to remind people of. And, you know, for Houston, that needs an identity that needs to start more than even winning, like appearing that they give a crap. I think like having that energy in there, as long as, you know, Ime Udoka and and the Houston brass are able to channel it correctly. It's like a good energy and sort of a a counter to Fred Van Vliet, who's very much like, watch me play. Yeah, I'll talk, but like you watch my habits and Mm -hmm. Dylan Brooks, not that he's not a hard worker. He's obviously a hard worker. Nobody, you know, you don't get to where he has without working hard. But he he's a guy who will gleefully talk the talk. And maybe he can, yeah. after a few painful years, he can get some of those Houston guys to believe in themselves uh, and believe what they could do collectively. But, you know, to me, he was one of the stories of the tournament, probably deserved yeah. to be second team and in terms of the tournament all-stars but you know who really cares about that uh he was awesome great tournament tell me about jordy fernandez and his future as maybe an an nba head coach because it feels like he's been a part of those kind of of conversations in the past just kind of mentioned as a potential candidate for some of these job openings but he really seemed to make his mark on this team this summer yeah, it was a great opportunity for him. Obviously, not in the way anybody expected. Um, but I think for a guy coming in just a, a month before training camp or whatever it was, and, you know, he had a relationship with Jamal Murray, having been in Denver for so long. Jamal Murray was in training camp. So there's a bit of a bridge there. But, you know, other than a few isolated relationships you know no no overly obvious connection with team canada and he seemed to get the vibe of this team and what they could do very well and again i'll talk about the lack of shooting but he made it so you know i'm not going to say this was the prettiest team in the tournament to watch like you know 
go watch that Spain-Canada game and watch Spain's first three quarters. And, and that's a team that really knows how to move the ball and play off of each other. Canada, mm-hmm. you know, never quite got there, but it wasn't completely gummy and, and just the Shea show either. And he really figured out his rotations, you know, when something wasn't working, it doesn't mean he gave up on it for the entire tournament, but he gave up on it for the game and would go back to it. And, and like the really interesting guy, I thought, uh, that he he used right more often than not was Kelly Olenek. Like Kelly Olenek yeah. is the, you know, was, I mean, he was literally the captain of the team, longest serving other than maybe Phil Scrub or along with Phil Scrub. Um, and like he, Kelly Olenek started playing for Canada when he was like 19. Uh, and now he's, I think, 32, mm. 33. Um, and he lost his starting spot at certain points or certain halves of the ge- of the tournament. Like when they decided Canada, when Canada decided they need more switching options, uh, they're like, yeah, we know he could be a major offensive hub for us, but we just can't afford it defensively. And, you know, credit to Kelly Olenek, and he's the last guy in this context who's going to become unengaged <laughs> with the with what the team's trying to do. Um, but he was completely bought in and, and, you know, uh, that shows, you know, what a, a good pulse for the team and, and, uh, any given game that, that Jordi Fernandez seemed to have. Uh, I, I was, you know, like any coach, I wasn't always, you know, maybe he stuck with something a minute too long here or there, but I thought he did a really good job. And obviously the result, you know, it's funny. I was just, I was thinking about the result as like, it's historic and yet, given the way the tournament played out, like you could argue might end up being any country's best chance at a, at a gold medal in a major tournament, just because of what happened to the United States and, you know, Giannis, uh, Greece, I don't think was in the tournament, but you know, Serbia made a run without Nikola Jokic. Maybe that doesn't happen next summer. So like you could say Mm -hmm. maybe Canada missed out on its best shot at a, at a gold medal ever, but that's too early for that. But, you know, mm-hmm. obviously, really successful tournament, and I thought Jordi Fernandez was um, instrumental in that happening. Uh, a shorter tournament is totally different than a long NBA season, but uh, I, I haven't heard anybody say anything but glowing things about his softer skills that probably play more over the the course of the season. And, and look, like Dennis Schroeder was yelling at Canadian, who who was the German coach, Gordy Herbert. Uh, halfway through this tournament and and they were embracing after they won gold. So maybe player relationships are overrated anyway. Uh, (laughs) Shout out to Gordy Herbert. Congratulations. Let's talk about that MVP and the Raptors real quick. Uh, Are Raptors fans more pumped up about Dennis Schroeder now? Are we, we feel like we have the Fred Van Vliet replacement fully in place. What's, what's the thought process there? I don't know. I, I think certainly a little bit. Like, you know, any showing like this is going to do a bit. Um, the overall Raptors vibe, I, I just think, is one of uncertainty. And, you yeah. know, Dennis Schroeder being awesome is nice. You know, maybe it changes your outlook on a who starts between him and Gary Trent as, as sort of the fifth starter. Yeah. Um, sure. But I, I don't think it does a lot to really change the big picture story here which is what's the overall long-term plan Mm -hmm. and 
I think a lot of us under, you know, sort of thought more was going to happen one way or the other. It hasn't yet. That doesn't mean it won't before training camp or the regular season starts. Although it, you know, I think I've talked about on other platforms, like it was sort of around the draft or right after the draft, probably were the more, the most logical times for something like that to happen. Uh, yeah. Whether it's a Pascal Siakam trade or, you know, jumping in the Damian Lillard fray or or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. it, it just seemed like it would have happened by now. But I, I think there's just a lot of unease and, you know, the Raptors front office famously doesn't show its cards, uh, not to the media, you know, not to other executives either. And we've, yeah. we've heard whispers of frustration with like trying to get the, you know, I, I don't need to remind you about the trade deadline last year about how they were the yep. topics of conversation. So mm-hmm. until something big happens and Fred Van Vliet leaving is a big thing, but sort of not yeah. in their control as much as something they do actively. Uh, I think that's going to continue to be the, at the heart of the conversation, unless the Raptors roll out, you know, 12 and three or something like that. Yeah. Do you think this time next year, will Pascal Siakam be wearing a Raptors jersey or not? Uh, if I had to bet, I say he will end up signing an extension and will still be a Raptor. But I, you know, okay. I say that tentatively. And my reasoning sure. is the best trades they they're not likely to get a better trade offer. And this can be wrong. Like a team, you know, like last year, Memphis has problems. Maybe they were willing to give up more for OG Ananobi than they would have been at the beginning of the season. And maybe, or a team vice versa ends up being closer than it is to success and see Pascal Siakam as the final piece. So maybe that does trade at the deadline change at the deadline. Um, But my hunch is the Raptors don't like what they've been offered. Um, or what they could pull off logistically. They think that that will only improve over time if he's under contract, and I would bet that ends up an extension. But that's, you know, more of a educated guess than a declarative statement, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Eric, thanks so much for coming on the show. Go check out Eric on The Athletic if you... Want to read more about Canadian basketball? He wrote a piece about the brilliance of Shea and Dylan Brooks as they qualify for the Olympics. You've wrote, written about this weird, weird lawsuit going on <laughs> that uh, I don't know where, where this thing is heading, I but you can go you read know, about that. I think it's going to a settlement. I, that, this is, again, not inside information. I just can't yeah. see a world in which the NBA wants this to go to oh. an actual trial. And, and as, much as, yeah. they, as much as they're like, oh, this isn't an NBA problem. This is two teams, one of which is suing the other. Like, let's. There are some more powerful players who might fine they're a little more invested than they have copped to i i think uh yeah. anyway sorry to to ruin your outro here but uh that's my general feeling on that anytime you can ruin my outro with a uh, lawsuit involving synergy do it every time please every opportunity <laughs> that you have to do that please go read eric on the athletic be sure to go to the athletic.com slash nba show and get the athletic for one dollar a month for 12 months it's a great deal lock into it and stay locked in to the athletic